Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. Message. We are, if you um, uh, hopefully you realize this, we're a few weeks out from Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday, uh, of course, is the marking of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the New Covenant Church. How many people here have been baptized with the Holy Spirit and your life has never been the same again? Raise your hands. Let 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 the let the place see you. Absolutely. Um, it's so important to realize. Number one. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. So everything that the Holy Spirit does through us, it is still Jesus that gives it to us. He is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit and fire, as uh, the Gospel of Luke puts it. Everybody, a lot of us, especially Tennesseans like me, love the and fire part, you know. (laughs) Who likes the and fire part, amen? So that's uh, all you fiery people out there, they're like, got that fire. Thank God for that. Um, So Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. We started this series, we're talking about being sons of God. Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Uh, Who on here can absolutely say that whether it was a dream, a voice of the Lord, or an unction in your spirit, you know that in your life you have been led by God into something you wouldn't have gone into naturally, but you can testify God led you correctly. Raise your hands. The Lord leads people a lot. Now, one thing I'll say, when the Lord leads you, it does not mean that you're being led into easy things. Well, this is just the buildup of the service today. Uh, God will, and count it a privilege that if God leads you into something that would take many people out, that God is looking in you saying that there is more on the inside of you than maybe you even know. And trust the Lord. Amen? Amen. And it's not a bad place to be in a place that you need God is just going to keep you closer to the Lord. One of the most dangerous places you can find yourself is in a position where you don't need God at all. And then it'll be all about your strength, your wisdom, and your natural ability. And the enemy can take you out in those realms. You're not a match for the enemy with your intellect. But you are a match for the enemy in the realms of the spirit where he has no authority over your life. Do you believe that? Say amen. Amen. All right. So sons of God being led by the spirit of God. I was contemplating this week in the year of 2014. My wife and I were traveling evangelists. And um, I went into my office and I asked the Lord what he wanted us to focus on that year as a ministry. Super important that if you do go into the ministry, that you go into it with a purpose from God, not just you saw someone else do it and it looked cool. Because it's not always cool. And sometimes it is super cool, but that shouldn't be the motivation. At the end of it all, Your motivation in life cannot be to build something in this world alone. It has to be what I do in my life, I do it for the Lord. He's the only one that matters. Whether you have big crowds, small crowds, large money, small money, if you're doing it for the Lord, that well will never run dry. But if you do it for the praise or the adoration or a certain goal in this world, if you hit it, you'll find how empty that is. But when you do it for the Lord, it's never ending. It just keeps fueling you with supernatural power to keep moving forward. Amen? Amen. So he said to me, contend for the supernatural. And I love that, for one, because, you know, as a traveling minister, that's what you're bringing into a church. You're there to stir the place to action. You're there to stir the place into an encounter with God. It's very much an encounter with God, you know? If you can encounter God truly encounter the Lord like Jacob when he wrestled with the Lord the Bible says he contended with the Lord and he got a new name and he's named that place that's like penile or something like that don't quote me you know it's probably not right at all Um, I think it is though and it meant I have faced the Lord and or seen him face to face and lived to tell the tale and so he encountered God 
Everything changes the moment you encounter God. Not only did Jacob's destiny change, his children's destinies changed. Amen. A lot is wrapped up in an encounter with the Almighty that when you meet Jesus, your life will never be the same again. Now, in the realms of the Holy Spirit, the baptizer of the Holy Spirit being Jesus, there are a lot of people, I feel, and I will say it, that have thought they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit based entirely upon doctrine of denominations or churches, and so they think they've had it. But the true sign of being baptized by the Holy Spirit is that you are 100% changed. Like, you don't get filled with the Holy Spirit and remain the same person. Your nature changes. Your focus changes. You're not trying to be different, but you are different. You're not waking up each day saying, can I be contrary to the world? You know, you just wake up and you're like, that's not right. This truth in me is telling me this is right. Uh, your focus, your passions change. You know, you once really cared about what you looked like. Now you got the Holy Spirit and you don't, you look awful. No, I'm just saying. But you don't care. You're like, my hair can be here. Tears can be coming down. Makeup can be running. But I'm like, it was a great day. You know, snot came out your nose and you're like, that was a win. How was church today? I had to take three showers afterwards. So it was a real knee slapping Holy Ghost time. You're changed by that. And uh, one major change is you absolutely do begin to fear the Lord more than man. And that matters because when you talk about competing for the supernatural, contending for the supernatural, and we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit right now, uh, the supernatural intervention of God in our lives through us, that it will, to, to, to walk in the realms of supernatural, you're going to have contention. You're going to have competition or not competition, but opposition. You're going to have things come against you to stop you. And just look at right now, a friend of mine posted about, he thinks churches should open up. Uh, and he got slammed by pastors saying he was not wise. How dare he talk about churches opening up that the most, that one person even said the most dangerous place you could be right now is in the choir because everybody's getting Corona through the choir. You know, and, and obviously it's past the realms of logic, but it's, it's the argument. And you dare take a stand for, I'm a faith person. I don't believe that sickness can spread in the body of Christ. You got to believe that, right? Yeah. Do you believe that? Yeah. I mean, do you believe that God would say, look, you can join in my name, but I'm not going to protect you. This thing will spread through there and kill a lot of you, but at least you didn't stop. You know, I feel like God's like, no. Hell will not spread through my church. And I believe that. But to believe that means you're going to be labeled, number one, that you hate people. Because you would dare not believe like they believe and you're not wise. And so that's what I mean by contending for the supernatural. There are times when to believe and operate in the supernatural, it's going to be contentious to even walk that way. It's not always celebrate it. It's not like people call you and like, you're the man for the supernatural power. It is oftentimes opposite. There will be di uh, differences or, or competing voices in your life and opinions in your life. And to contend for the supernatural means you stand your ground and you trust the Lord, even if people will mock you for it. Am I talking to anybody right now? So that's the reality of it. You have got to, to contend for the supernatural. You will be mocked. You will be made fun of. Uh, people will call you crazy. People will call you a lunatic. People will call you a fanatic. People will call you a Jesus freak. But at least Jesus freak has Jesus in front of it. <laughs> right? Because you were just a freak before Jesus. Now at least you're a Jesus freak. Amen. You were always weird. Now you're just weird for the right reasons. <laughs> you know it's true. Everybody in this world walks around, they all feel kind of like, I'm a little bit weird. Well, that's because you are, because you're unique. Weird just means different, and if we're all unique and we're made different, then we're all going to be a little weird. Amen. Who's weird in here? All right. Well, you guys are. I'm normal. Glad you guys admitted it. Now remember this moment. 
No, we're all a little weird. But there's a war that transpires for us to walk in the supernatural, for us to encounter the supernatural. Uh, Jesus couldn't do any miracles in his hometown because of the mindsets of the people, the word says. They didn't believe he was the son of God. He was the son of Joseph. And so because of that, the word says, Jesus, now this is Jesus, the one with which the word says that he had the spirit without measure. So there was not a lack of the Holy Spirit operating through Jesus. There was not a lack of relationship with the Father. You understand that Jesus had it right. But the people had it wrong. And when they had it wrong and they competed with Jesus, the word says he couldn't do any great work among them. And so the Bible says he then went about teaching and preaching. So Jesus didn't give up on the hard hearts. He just went to the work of instruction by the Holy Spirit because faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. So Jesus did his job to preach, 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 teach, teach, teach. And so uh, as you encounter opposition, get the word in you so that you can stand your ground and then instruct people along the way in life as best as you can regarding the realms of faith. And maybe, just maybe, you will make a disciple that will follow you and draw closer to the Lord. Amen? So, Exodus 34, 12 through 14 says, Be very careful never to make a treaty with the people who live in the land where you are going. If you do, you will follow their evil ways and be trapped. Instead, you must break down their pagan altars, smash their sacred pillars, and cut down their Asherah poles. You must worship no other gods, for the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. Come on. Isn't that awesome? The Lord is jealous about his relationship with you. So even what we talked about in worship, man, you matter to the Lord. Your presence here matters. Like whether an usher smiled at you or didn't smile at you, God smiled when you walked in here because it was pleasing to the Lord. He He loves it. And so what is that saying? This is instructions that the Lord gave Moses as they were going into the promised land. It's flowing with milk and honey. It's an awesome promise from God. You're absolutely going to take the land. I told you you're going to take the land. You have the authority to take the land. But God gives a warning. Just because I'm with you, just because you, you, you win, just because you take the promises. Be very careful that as you're walking in the blessed and highly favored life that you do not take in the ways of this world too. Because that will be an entrapment to you. God is warning you that what seems subtle or unimportant is important. And what does that mean? That is agreeing with things contrary to the word of the Lord. You, as a believer, if you want to walk in supernatural power, you're going to have to agree first and foremost with the word and guard yourself from all other things that compete with God. Are you following what I'm trying to say right now? And I know it's tough maybe to realize that, but... It matters. There's times in my life, in fact, just this morning in the midst of worship, I prayed God, I prayed crop failure on the words that I've said in my past. In other words, man, I've, I've said some stupid stuff, God. Uh, and I ask you to, may that not bear forth fruit in my life. I repent of that. I got in a bad funk that day and I said those things and I wish I'd never said those things about you, about your call, about your plan, whatever it is. I repent of it and I declare once again, you're king of kings, you're lord of lords, you're the mighty and you're the strong one. Amen? Amen. So uh, Galatians 5, 25 through 26, if we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. If we're going to walk in the Spirit, let's live in the Spirit, and let us understand that anybody walking in the realms of the Spirit, it's available to us all. Amen? All right, so today, last week, we talked about the revelation gifts. We'll start with the power gifts. I'll reiterate what I said last week. Even though there are nine gifts listed, there is one gift. The gift is the Holy Spirit. He came to fill you. He is inside of you. It's a relationship with God, but through that, you're empowered in different functions, so to speak. Number one in the power gifts we'll talk about is faith. Faith, faith, faith. The gift of faith. Say gift of faith. faith. Next week we'll go on the fruit. There's a difference between the fruit of faith and the gift of faith. Fruit of faith has to do with your character. The gift of faith is Mark 11, 24, have the faith of God. It's when God gives you his faith. That when God gives you his faith, absolutely impossible things can happen when you're operating through the gift of faith. Uh, I would say that it was when Peter walked on water, he operated in the gift of faith. 
So you, you can't walk on water. You know that, right? Come on, people. And don't get cute with me and say, when it's frozen. <laughs> See, my first rodeo, I heard that response only seven times. No, you can't walk on water. I've tried to walk on water. When I was a young believer and I, I, the Holy Ghost was there, I mean, we were worshiping the Lord. I thought, for sure, this is it, man. I feel... My old body's tingling. I can walk on water. Peter can walk on water. He's no respecter of persons. You know how you build yourself up. <laughs> you should, anyways, if you've never done that. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and I read the word, and I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, just call me Peter. I'm about to go walk on the water. People are like, you want to buy a boat? Nope, I want to walk on water. So I ran out of the dock, and I got wet. But... <laughs> came back to the camp. They were still worshiping the Lord. I still felt the anointing. I was just wet. They were like, what happened? I was like, man, I just felt I needed to baptize myself. <laughs> but that's operating in the gift of faith. You can't walk on water. Uh, Mark eleven twenty four. you can't go out and look at a mountain and say, go to the sea, and it goes to the sea. I mean, think about it. If every believer... <laughs> could just do that anytime they wanted to. My gosh, you'd be seeing things. <laughs> Walk outside, duck, duck. <laughs> Where did Arby's go? <laughs> oh, one believer got on that health kick and cast it down the street. Sick and tired. If I want to eat fried chicken, you leave my fried chicken alone. Quit casting it out to the sea. I'll call it back. People out there war. How many people realize that doesn't happen except on anime, you know? <laughs> but if the gift of faith came upon you and the Lord did want Arby's moved, Arby's stands no chance, literally. Uh, you take Sodom and Gomorrah, he, God can make a city disappear. You can't find Sodom and Gomorrah on the map. Uh, people are like, it's probably over there. It might be over there. But one thing's for sure, I'm glad I wasn't there. <laughs> Can I get an amen? amen? When the gift of faith comes upon you, God is lending his faith to you. You realize that God absolutely knows he has no boundaries. God is like, he knows he has no limits. He can do whatever needs to be done. And so when you talk about the gift of faith, number one, it is a gift. Now, this is a gift God gives, and then God will take away. So you don't live with the gift of faith, else you'd do, you just, you'd wind up feeling like you were Superman or something, you know? And people would think you were Superman. They'd start worshiping you, and then that could destroy you in the, in the sense of it. God gets the glory. Amen. So when the gift of faith is operating, though, you can do miraculous things. You can say to this mountain, be thou removed. You can curse a fig tree and it'll dry up at its roots. You can do miraculous things because God is lending his faith to you. This is something, and as we started this last week, so important for you to realize your only thing you've got to bring to the table in this is a desire to be used by God. The Bible says desire the gifts twice. At the end of chapter 12, at the beginning of chapter 14 in Corinthians, all about the gifts. Desire spiritual gifts. Do you desire it? Do you wake up in the morning, read the word, and say, God, use me supernaturally today. God, use, give me an opportunity, Lord. I, if I fail you, I'm sorry, but I would rather be stepping out overexerted, like overexcited and overzealous to be used by the Lord than sitting back doing nothing. I want to try it. I want to operate in this. And when the gift of faith comes upon a person, they can speak things out and do the miraculous. When it is upon you, you are the devil's worst nightmare. God lends this gift upon a believer oftentimes when they have been obedient to follow after something he has declared and they are meeting heavy opposition along the way. The Lord will give them a gift of faith to just speak things out and walk through the water, so to speak. Amen? Miraculous. Do you believe in a miracle working God? Come on, he, he does the miraculous. And so that's the gift of faith. It's a powerful gift. It's when David slayed Goliath. Think about that. You don't go out and kill a giant with one little rock. 
But when the gift of faith is upon you, David's like operating in a supernatural understanding of who he's coming at this giant in. Not in my own strength, but in the name of my God. I'm, he knew I'm standing in proxy as God. God will take this giant out. Amen. It's the gift of faith. Caleb, when he took the promised land or, the, or Hebron with all the giants at 85 years old, the gift of faith came upon him to supernaturally strengthen him. And he knew, I will take this land because this was a promise from God. Amen? Yeah. Find the word, read the word, stir yourself up in this and understand that God's divine faith can operate through you. Secondly, power gift, healings. Anybody in here can testify you absolutely were healed by the Lord, undeniably miraculous healing. Raise your hands. I want everybody to look around. Look at this. God is a healing God. Now, has anybody in here ever been sick? You prayed and you didn't get healed. Raise your hand. Okay. See, we, we have that. I want you to clarify that the fault was not God. You got to believe that. Do not, never say to the Lord, I did everything I was supposed to do and you dropped the ball. That is stupid. And you're smarter than that, hopefully. And it, I'm not always. So sometimes, and that's why I'm like crop failure, Jesus, behind my mouth, how, could, how dare I say and accuse you of not backing me up? You've done more than back me up. Yeah. You've bailed me out of my own stupidity countless times. And for that, God, I, 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 I'm sorry that I would ever challenge you. Healing is when the Lord comes, and he paid for this on the cross with, with the, the, the stripes upon his back. But before that, God was a healer anyways. Old Testament, I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee. The bomb of Gilead, he takes sickness and disease away from them. The length of your days you shall fulfill. It's a part of the blessing of serving the Lord. Amen? And how many people realize with the new covenant, what Jesus purchased for you is to live in the covenant blessing of God in Deuteronomy 28. Amen? So when you read that, everything you have is prospering because you have that covenant with God. Come on. Hallelujah. So you can believe in healing. Now's a great time to believe in healing. Now's a time more than ever that we as believers have got to mobilize in the realms of being used in, in healing because this society we live in is sicker than it's ever been. America is a very sick society. So much sickness, so much diseases, so much cancer, so much things attacking people's body that we got to believe in supernatural healing. We got to vocalize it. We got to declare that's who the God we serve is, and then let God use us in that capacity, right? You with me? Now, understand when it comes to the gift of healing, it's not like the only way to do it is this way. God heals in countless different ways. So, sensitivity to the Holy Spirit matters in learning how do I flow in the supernatural. Well, you got to hear the voice of the Lord. You got to get draw close to God, and you got to know what to do, whether you're just praying, whether you're doing that. But I was driving a couple weeks ago, and I had this thought. I realized that there's no account in the Bible, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that I've, that I've read that I can remember where a person was healed through laying hands on themselves. That when the gift of healing flowed, there was two people involved. One person God used as a vessel for the healing, and then there was the person that got the healing, especially in the New Covenant church. Everywhere you read, there were two people involved at least. And I began to realize something in that. Number one, it's not that God is limited and cannot heal you just by which he can heal you through faith. I've had that happen. But when you're talking about the gift of healing, it's because God uses a person to pour his spirit through. And he needs a vessel has got to humble themselves and go to him and say, I want the Lord to touch my body. Amen. So a lot of when you're sick, if you've never humbled yourself and went to the Lord, well, then don't be upset that God didn't do something about it. You with me right now? But so it's almost like it's a picture for us to see even in all the realms of the gift that, that God uses the gifts for more than just you. They come upon you to serve a purpose to help another person out. Yeah. So the gift of healing is when the Lord speaks and does, or, or not speaks, but flows through you in supernatural ways. Whether you lay hands on the sick and they recover according to obedience to Mark chapter 16, or you declare things, whatever it is, a oil. They use anoint them with oil, and the prayer of faith heals the sick. There are many ways in the Bible that God healed people. But when you are in need of a healing in your body or someone you love needs healing, this is something for you to pray out. You with me right now? Like, do not accept sickness. Do not give in to disease. Do not say that this is our lot and try and say that the Lord gets glory from that. Stay in agreement with my God is a healer. 
and fight it your entire life. And I'm speaking to someone that has walked through. My dad died of cancer. I believed in supernatural healing and prayed fervently all the way through the end. And he still was taken out by cancer. Does that change that God is a healer? No. God is a healer. Do you believe it? Say amen. Got to believe it. You got to believe it. Uh, You can't let that things like that change who God is in your image of the Lord. God is perfect in all ways. If he says he's the Lord God that heals you, he's the Lord God that heals you. Amen? Amen. So miracles. Let's talk about miracles in the, in the, the power gifts. Miracles. So miracles are super exciting, right? That's where something happens that is absolutely unexplainable. You cannot describe it. It does not make sense. It is a miracle from God. Whether you you had a car wreck and suddenly you were outside of the car, whether you fell 100 feet and you got up and you were totally fine. Miracles are happening all the time because God does intervene many times based upon prayers of people. So a lot of you that should be dead, how many people have, you should, you should be dead right now? But you're not dead. Look at, my gosh. <laughs> Welcome to Lake County. We threw common sense out the window a long time ago. Our favorite saying is, hey, y'all watch this, you know. <laughs> you think I can flip off the roof? And juggle a, you know, yeah, yeah, you can. We all, we should have died, man. The enemy hates you. You know that. Whether you realize, once you became born again, you really began to see there was an, there was an agenda to take you out. I mean, there was just wickedness. Anywhere it could get, get away in. It was trying to take you out prematurely. But the Lord's hand was like, not today, Satan. Amen. That's a miracle. There's callous. When the Lord saved me, he actually showed me. I saw all these moments I should have died. And I should have died a lot. <laughs> And the Lord's hand was upon me. And that's a miracle. That's where the Lord intervenes and says, no, you will not take this life. Absolutely not. He belongs to me. And it wasn't that Caleb at that time was praying every night, protect me, God. It was that Caleb's mom, Caleb's grandma were praying every night, Lord, protect my idiot son and grandson. And those things worked. Amen. That's why when I got saved, I knew it, and I knew it. Look, the Lord showed it to me. I went to and I'm like, thank you for not giving up on me. Woo, you have no idea how many times I should have died. Oh, we do. We just don't want to hear about it. And so that's a miracle. Miracles are those unexplainable supernatural encounters with God where things are epic. To stir yourself in this realm... You need to read as many testimonies of miracles as you can. I tell people this all the time. The quickest way to operate in the gifts is read about true life stories where the gifts were flowing and it stirs that heavenly desire on the inside of you. God is always in the miracle business. Amen? Amen. Like my dad growing up, he told me a story that I'll never forget. Before my dad married my mom, he was an adventurous guy. And uh, he he was living in Montana herding sheep in the mountains in the wintertime, super cold. And one day he's riding his horse, trying to get a lost sheep, went left the 99 to go after the one. You know, my, my dad was basically Jesus. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) and so he fell off of his horse when the horse stepped funny in a, in a Creek and he fell off. He went in the water. The horse was spooked and ran off. It's a blizzard. It's snowing, so he loses tracks of the horse, everything. And he's soaking wet in the winter in Montana, freezing cold. And he's trying to find his camp, but he can't find his camp. So he lays down in the snow and he said, son, it was the most peaceful way to die ever. When hypothermia sets in, he said, you just feel warm and cuddly. He said, I felt like I was laying down in a feather bed. It was like awesome. And he said, I laid down and I was content to just die. And then he said, as I was drifting off, an angel of the Lord shook me awake. And said to me, get up, son, stand up and walk over this hill right here. And he walked over the hill and there was his camp. He walked in and there was food already on the, on, the, on, the, on the stove, just freshly cooked that he did not cook himself. And he got out of his wet clothes and he went on to live, marry my mom. Of course, everything is all about me, basically, is what it came down to. You know. <laughs> I mean, I know what it was about. No, I'm just joking, totally. <laughs> but I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that moment. And that's a miracle. 
Now, the beauty of that is God does a miracle, and he doesn't need a stadium of people to do it in. God will intervene in the lives of people that love him, that hearts are turned on to him. Know that that's the God you serve. God does not just do a miracle to boost his followers on Twitter. Amen. So you, 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 you got to get this. This is awesome. It means that if you are in need of a miracle by yourself in a room or three people are there or 100,000 people are there, he's the God that does the miracles. Amen. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. He's a miracle-working God. Any, anything that needs to happen, he is capable of doing these things. Come on. Now, I will say this regarding the realms of miracles, supernatural power. The closer and the more um, you can build into yourself to stay close to the presence of the Lord is absolutely paramount to operate in the gifts of the Spirit and to be close and, and, and to function through this supernatural realm. When you think about it, I'll never forget when I read this in the Bible, it stood out to me big time. You know, Moses didn't get to go to the promised land. He was chosen. He did miracles through, through, the, through the Lord helping him, obviously. It was the Lord doing it through him. But he did all of these things, split the sea. I mean, all this is miracles. But when it came down to coming into the promised land, he did not get to go into the promised land. But the Bible says that when they were, they were gearing up to go in the promised land, the Lord says, look, I'm, I'll take you into the promised land. Uh, but my presence won't go with you. And Moses like, you got to send your presence with us. It's what defines us. We need the presence of the Lord. The Bible says before that, that the, that the tabernacle was set at the edge of the camp and everybody in Israel would stand and watch Moses go into the tent of meeting where the presence of the Lord would come and fall and they would witness this with their eyes. And so it was miraculous. They knew that the Lord was speaking to Moses and watch this. It says, after the Lord met with him, Moses left the tent. But the Bible clearly says, but Joshua, the son of Nun, stayed. And who got into the promised land? Joshua, the son of Nun. Because he stayed in the presence of the Lord. You want to operate in supernatural power. You want to see miracles. You want to see healing. You want God to do something through your life. You have got to stay in the presence of the Lord. You have got to guard your heart. You've got to guard what you look at. You've got to guard what you listen to. You've got to make sure that there's a line drawn in your heart that you don't go there. I don't go there. I stay here. That might pull me away from my father, and I'm staying close to my father. My goal in life is not to see how far I can wander from him and still hear his voice. My goal is to see how close can I sit at the feet of the Almighty. How much can I hear? How much can I tap into? Jesus! That's why worship is not just about a song. It's about the filet of your heart saying, I open myself up, God. I'm coming! You know? It's like William Wallace is worship, you know? It's how men worship. Freedom! I'm going to paint my face and wear a kilt, God. Coming after you. Raising the dead, water to wine, food multiplication, miracle money appearing. These are examples of miracles happening. When I was in Bible school, and I shared this in the nine, this man, and I love this testimony. This testimony shook my world. I went to Bible school with a guy named Matthew Kuncum. Uh, he was the grand chief of the Cree Indians in Canada. And he left all of that, grand chiefdom, whatever, whatever it is, and came to Bible school and lived out of his van with his family. They had nothing. Left all of everything they had up there just to come to Bible school. He loved God. Man, I love that guy. I would go out soul winning with him all the time. We would go out. I mean, he was radical, man. He just put on his Indian feather headdress because he was the grand chief. It's illegal apparently for uh, if you're not a First Nations person to even have it because it has eagle feathers. So I didn't know that because I really wanted one, but I was told that's illegal. And I was like, well, that wouldn't be the first illegal thing I have done, but I get what you're saying. I am in Bible school now. Repent. Okay, okay. Moving on. <laughs> Serving the Lord takes all the fun out of life. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Just joking. 
<laughs> it's exciting serving the Lord. <laughs> Can't speed. I'm a believer. Yeah, you liar. You. you. <laughs> so he, he tells me this story. He says, man, we're in the midst of, of a revival at the church. He wanted a breakthrough so bad, and I can testify to his character because I spent so much time with him, soul winning and stuff. We, we talked about the Lord all the time. That's all he cared about. He didn't care about being grand chief. He didn't, none, none of that. He was a lawyer, but, I mean, his passion was the Lord. And so uh, he tells me this testimony. He said, man, Caleb, I was my first year in Bible school. Um, I gave everything I had away. We came down. We had some money set up to live on. I gave all my money away. We were living in a van then. Didn't have anywhere to put my family. Maxed out my credit cards. He said, I was so passionate about God. He's like, I was going to get a breakthrough. Now, you, you got to, I mean, this is the Lord, obviously, that led him to this. I'll say this, though, man. God never disappoints. If you really get passionate about pursuing him, you'll find out that you will attract the heart of the Father. And he did. The Lord was, like, in tune with him. He knew Matthew, and Matthew knew God. So in the midst of all this, he gives all his money away, maxes his credit cards, and he's in service, and the Lord says, take the preacher and his family out to a steak dinner with your family. So he's like, absolutely. So he takes them out to Ruth Chris or whatever, super high-end steak, steak restaurant, and um, they're eating there, and his family was six people. This, this pastor had some people with him, so it was like 10 people. Ruth Chris or whatever, you know, you're going to spend several hundred dollars uh, so that you could leave hungry and then go to Wendy's later. <laughs> Wait, it's $75 and I don't get a side? Not even french fries? Uh, no, sir, those are, those are extra. Would you, and we don't have french fries, we have poutine. <laughs> yeah, you are poutine. <laughs> no, <laughs> I like Ruth Chris. <laughs> Gotta have fun. So, it's a hefty bill. He's sitting there. And he says, as he's eating the last few bites of his steak, he remembers, I don't have any money. I maxed out my credit cards. How am I going to pay for this meal? That's a stressful moment. And the bill comes. Everybody's leaving the table. He's chewing very slowly. <laughs> and uh, he's, he said, I'm going through my mind. Do I wash dishes? He said, honestly, I didn't know what to do. I told my wife to go on and I was going to have to speak with the management. And as he watches his wife leave the restaurant, a woman in a business suit, like a tire, came right by her, looked frantic, scanned the restaurant, sees him, and beelined straight to his table, grabs the bill, takes it from him, and said, I was driving down the highway. The Lord said, turn around and take care of this bill for you. This is on the Lord. And paid the bill. And this is, you're talking Tampa, Florida, 2004, or something like that. It's just a lawyer driving down the road that hears the voice of the Lord and obeys God. Now, that's a miracle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? To her, I, she just paid a check. To him, this is bona fide. Come on, get the organ out. Take the shoes off. We're going to have a hoedown tonight. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to do what? Yeah, that's the Lord. Did he say anything about shopping for clothes? <laughs> While we're in the midst of this miracle, how far can we go? He's the God of more than enough. I remember that so, so strongly that marked my life when I heard that. And I said to myself, I want to live a life like that. I don't want to live a life that doesn't have those stories to tell. I want to live a life where people are going to, their minds are going to be blown as I tell them what God has done in my life. I look them in the eyes with everything and just say, no, you, you, God does these things. Today, he does these things. He is not the God of yesterday alone. He is the God of today, too. He is a miracle-working God. Anything that needs to happen, God can make it happen. Do you believe it? Say amen. Hallelujah. And the Lord spoke to him after that. And this is awesome. And said, now I want you to go back after one year in Bible school and you're going to run for the presidency of the First Nations people of Canada and I'm going to make you the president of the nation. He went back, he ran, and he won. That's the God that we serve. Amen?
Now, nobody is going to know that he won because he gave everything away and, and needed a miracle and met God in a restaurant in a supernatural way and got instructions. People are going to think you had a good campaign and you marketed it yourself well, but that is not the way it is. See, what I'm saying is miracles happen all the time, but you can miss the interweaving of God's divine things in your life based upon trying to find something spectacular every time and miss the fact that God is doing miracles on behalf of his children all the time. That's the God that you serve. He, is not, he does not wake up and have only 600 miracles to perform in a day. And you've got to get a good tally mark in there. God is able and willing at any given moment to be there for his children. Hallelujah, church. Miracles. Raising the dead. Come on. It's time to raise the dead. i tell you something. To raise the dead, you first have to be around a dead person. Water to wine. You have to first... I don't, well, we'll skip that one. It's water everywhere. People are like, yeah, I got water at home. Food multiplication. Think about that. Think about money appearing. Think about, I got to pay my taxes, and I went fishing and pulled the money out of a fish. Hallelujah. Who would like that? I would love to go fishing for bass and pull out a big whopping gold coin today. That's the God you serve. Obviously, he might not do it that way, but God is a miracle working God. I remember preaching a sermon. I was down in Sebastian, Florida, and I was talking about the miracle provision of God. And I was like, man, we gave all our money away. We were expecting a miracle check because that's what every testimony I ever hear talks about. You know what I'm saying? Like the miracle check came in the mail. So I checked the mail every day. It never came. It's a true story. I was like hounding the mailman. Look back in that bag. He was like, bro, it is illegal to get this close to a mailman. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's my mail. And he's like, no, this is the, you know, it was awkward. <laughs> I actually learned about a lot about the postal service. It is, you can't really approach those guys. Didn't know that. <laughs> so I was like, give me my check. <laughs> I gave all my money away. God always sends a check. I heard it in church. He's not a man that he should lie. <laughs> it's a true conversation. The guy's like, I checked. There's no check. Anyways, the Lord did miracles in another way, though. He did take care of us supernaturally. <laughs> well, how did I get on that? What was I talking about before that? Huh? Sebastian, Florida. This is, where would I be without Pastor Jeff? So in Sebastian, Florida, I'm talking about this. And I said, man, if God wants to make a bag load of cash appear at your house. He'll do it. And, uh, you know, people are like, I received that. <laughs> this man came to me after the service, an older gentleman, and he says, let me tell you a testimony. He says, I was serving the Lord. My wife ran out on me. I lost my wife, and we were in a custody battle, uh, and I love God. She wound up winning everything in, in, in court, and I was going to lose the place that I was staying, which would have wound up me losing my rights to my children. And he's like, I cried out to the Lord, and I was driving home, and my car caught on fire. And he said, he was like, great, now what? He said, I got out, I popped the hood, and there was a, pla a paper bag under, under my hood that I pulled out. It was on fire. I put it out and opened it up, and $20,000 of cash was in it. This is in the 1970s. So it was the 1970s. He went through that, and he was like, "I don't care. My truck caught on fire because I got 20 grand." <laughs> Listen, he said, "I went to the police and I gave it to them." And I'm thinking, "You did, you did what?" <laughs> and he said, "Because it was, he had 21 days. If no one claimed it, then it was mine." And he said, "I remember waiting, waiting, waiting 21 days, and they called. I called them. They were like, no one claimed it. It's your money.'" He said, "I took it." And man, that got me out of everything. And he says, I tell you, son, you, you say it half jokingly, but if God needs to make a bag of cash up here, he will make a bag of cash up here. Come on, somebody. Hey! Hallelujah! Say, I don't believe it. Well, that's fine. I'll believe it for you. The guy had no reason to lie. He was just an older gentleman telling me the testimony. God's a miracle-working God. He'll do supernatural things after supernatural things. How many people walked in, your car broke down, it ain't running, but the Lord says pray for it, and you fire that thing right up. 
You know that's true. How many people have ran out of gas? You ain't got no way to get there. And you're like, and that thing just keeps going right when you get there. It's like, and you're like, you know, that's the Lord. I done drove 800 miles and that thing had nothing but fumes. But as long as they're Holy Ghost fumes, that is enough. Amen. That's the God we serve. That's an exciting life. People are like, I'm bored. Well, step over to the supernatural. Come on, somebody. Live a little. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. That's the abundant life right there. That's the miraculous. I, mean, I love this testimony too. And you probably have heard this, but a friend of mine went out to eat with a, with a man of God and uh, the first night he took him out, he was there for a week. And he, so he took him out and he bought, you know, like IHOP or whatever. The next night he said, it's your turn to buy dinner. So they took him out and they bought whatever. Third night, this preacher looks at him and says, tonight the meal's on Jesus. So we can go anywhere we want. And so he's like, mm, all right, yeah. When someone says that, you don't think that it means it's on Jesus. You think they're going to pay for it, you know. So they go out to the steakhouse surf and turf and they order dessert everything and the bill comes and it's the late waitress sets it at the table so my friend's watching waiting for the preacher to take the bill and the preacher ain't taking the bill and he's like oh jesus means me <laughs> so <laughs> he said i actually pushed the bill closer to the guy to see what he would do <laughs> and he said he didn't take the bill so then he was like, oh, great, I'm going to have to pay for this. And my wife's going to chew me out. I shouldn't have got the surf and turf. I should have stuck with the chicken. <laughs> and sure enough, uh, they wound up, they, the guy, he's like, are, are you going to pay for it? And he said, no, I told you, man, tonight's on the Lord. And just like my other friend, someone walked into the place. Actual fact, I don't think someone walked in. That the waitress came back and said, sorry, sir, your bill has been taken care of. Someone has paid for this, so the meal was, was, was taken care of tonight. Enjoy your evening. And my friend sat there with his jaw to the ground and was like. <laughs> so after that, he tried every Friday night. This meal's on Jesus. <laughs> Never worked again. You know, I want to talk about a miracle. This might seem small to you. We were having to fly out of the country, and we all had to get our passports in line. If you ever had to get passports, it could be such a tiring and exhausting process. And we wound up waiting to the last minute and realized Taylor's passport was expired, and we weren't, even gonna, we weren't gonna be able to get her passport in time. So we go to the passport office in Tampa, and if the, you know, if the place is packed out every time you go in there. If you're not there at opening, there's, every seat is full, and they're like, now serving. 733 and you look at your number and it's like infinity you're like oh okay i'll get there so we stop in the car and i'm like babe we have we had it was something crazy like something stupid like 15 minutes and we were we we got to get this passport i don't even remember how we got there it's impossible we shouldn't even bother driving there but we get in the car, and before we went out, we grabbed hands. We were like, Lord, we thank you for favor. When we walk into this place, we're going to get this passport and back in the car in 10 minutes. So we go in there. We walk in places just like this. Every chair is full, you know, and everybody looks angry. It's just like the DMV. <laughs> Nobody's ever happy to go in the DMV. You ever notice, except for the one kid that's finally driving. They're like, you get to drive. And everybody's like... You're kind of, you're sitting there thinking, where did I park? And uh, so everybody's glaring and I grabbed the number from the thing and it was like 671 or whatever. And it said now serving 112. And you're like, oh, great. 10 minutes. They're going to have to be like, Mur so anyways, we're getting, we're, we're sitting down and Taylor reaches down to the ground right when we sit, grabs this ticket and holds it up and it says 113. As I look at it, I look up and it goes, ding, now serving 113. We stood up, we walked right up there. Bro, you could feel daggers in your back. People are like. That's where you know favor ain't fair, but it sure is good when it's yours. <laughs> oh! 
minutes driving away like, what God do we serve? That's awesome. That's miracles, amen? We serve a miracle-working God. Sorry, I, I, they, we don't have a clock anymore, so I talk a lot when I don't have a clock. I'm so sorry. I blame my wife. She laughs a lot. <laughs> Last three gifts. The vocal gifts, okay? These are the most criticized gifts because they're vocal. You know it's true. What do we say? Open, open mouth, insert foot. People get upset if you ever declare anything. Right. People were upset when Jesus said, today it's fulfilled. People get angry when things are spoken. I don't know why that is. It is because there's power in the declaration. And the enemy knows that, so he, he does not like that. Everything you see is because God spoke it into existence. The vocal gifts are absolutely amazing in operation. Number one is prophetic, prophesy. The Bible says God will do nothing except he first reveals it to his prophets. God is looking for a person, a vessel, that will attach themselves to the supernatural realm of God and declare things from heaven into this world. And when it is declared, it is released with the authority of all the hosts of heaven behind it to accomplish that task. Do you believe that? Come on. Prophets, the Bible says, despise not prophecy because when the Lord prophesies, do not come against the prophecy of the Lord. Never war against what God wants done. Always submit to what the Lord wants done, and then you will find yourself on the winning side every time. Amen? Amen. Prophecy is when God declares. It means to bubble forth, so it's not a natural mindset. It's not, I came up with a cool idea that sounds like the Lord, and I will say it to people. It means bubble forth. It's the river of God flowing from you that words materialize from because he's the voice of many waters. So a bubbling forth prophecy is that declaring the unction of God to vocalize things by the spirit of God. Amen. Amen. Everybody in here has the ability to prophesy. All these gifts are available. In the Old Testament, a prophet held a certain position. In the New Covenant, now there is still prophets. It is still a calling, but now all of us have access to the Holy Spirit to begin to prophesy. Prophesy over our homes. Prophesy over our children, over our church, over our county, over our government, over our leadership. You prophesy. You declare the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. My friend that was attacked on the social media about opening churches is the grandson of the prophet Dick Mills. Dick Mills was an awesome man of God that declared the word of the Lord constantly. But how did he prophesy? He did not prophesy with, with uh, just thou thus saith and thou these. He prophesied through the wit, written word of God. God would give him a scripture. He would declare that scripture and that is exactly what would ha- happen. Amen. Yeah. So Listen. You can prophesy, especially if you agree with the written word of God and you prophesy that over a situation, it is being spoken with power and authority. Amen? Amen. Prophesy. Say prophesy. Prophesy. Ah, major. We need more prophets. God uses this gift to grab the attention of people. He will speak things out before they happen to warn people or just to prepare people for something that is about to happen. Amen. How many people would love it if the Lord declared to you something like Rona was about to happen and positioned you with a fried chicken truck (laughs) on the corner and you're like, the rest of the world's struggling? I've made $8 million in chicken. (laughs) The Lord can do it. He can declare things. When everybody was buying houses, I believe that my dad prophesied to me because I called my, my dad and he said, do not buy a house right now. It was right before 2008. He said, Caleb, this is one thing I've learned from the Lord that the Spirit of God told me one time. When you see everybody doing something, don't do it. And I was like, all right, Dad. And I was like, man, this is just not right. Everybody else is buying houses. I want to buy a house. I didn't buy a house. They all went through bankruptcy, short sales, everything, because the market collapsed. And I was fine. The Lord can prophesy and warn you. Amen? Amen. Though, in the Old Testament, many times prophets were doom and gloom. It was judgment It was these things that they spoke. You know, Jeremiah was not a popular person in the household. Uh, There's a reason why he didn't get married. Nobody wants to be married to that. (laughs) But he, he spoke true. But it was judgment. It was that. Now in the new covenant, thank the Lord for grace and mercy. 
That's why you see a lot of the prophecies began to change to where prophets of God are not talking about doom and gloom all the time. They do to warn the church about things to come. They do tell you to keep your heart right. But then they also prophesy of the moving of the spirit, of the next phase of God's plan, of the structures that God is putting in place. And when you hear that and you see that, grab a hold of it, launch yourself into it, and and be a part of what God is doing on the earth today. Amen? Amen. Tongues. Say tongues. Tongues. Not just praying in tongues. Tongues is a language that you are not fluent in that you speak in through the Holy Ghost. Now, tongues is a diverse gift, really, um, because of Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they all spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In the room was Cretes, Arabians, Midians, all of these people, but they heard them declare it in their own language. That is supernatural. Would you agree with that? That is still available today. If God needs you to speak something to a person that cannot understand your language and you can't understand their language, God can supernaturally infuse you with power to declare their language. Now, you may not even know that you're speaking their language. The, the apostles, there's nowhere in the Acts chapter 2 that says that they knew what they were saying to the people. They were just speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The people were the ones that heard it. You grab that? So when God gives you that, you could lay off. For all you know, you're just speaking in tongues. But to another person, they're like, you're speaking in my language. Has anybody in here ever had that happen before? It's actually more common than you realize. That's a gift of the Spirit. People begin to speak in tongues. And they begin to declare things. Well, I had a person do it, spoke things out. The person got healed. They, they didn't even know they were deaf. They spoke with another language. So they're speaking out in tongues. Person starts pointing at their ear, nodding their head. And they're like, what are you doing right now? I'm just, you know, they're praying in tongues. And it's like they were understanding it. Then they lay hands on their ear. And then they put their hand up there. Then they start screaming. They're healed. And then they start speaking. And they're like, man, this is awesome. And then they're like, just kept speaking in tongues. The next thing they know, the person's saying, Jesus, come into my heart. And they have no understanding of what they're saying. But this person sitting there going through the motions, get healed, ask Jesus in my heart, praising their hands. And you walk away and you're like, go Jesus. (laughs) You know? That's super cool. That's supernatural. You can't do that. You can't walk up to someone and be like, and they're like, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm. And then they take out a $100 bill and give it to you. You're like, I done, yeah, I got a new ministry. It's awesome. Supernatural. Now, this is an, a very attacked gift. My goodness, you want to see in a gift that is attacked, speak in tongues. People come against it with everything they can. Call it demonic. Religion tells you it's demonic. Listen, guys, absolutely, there is probably demonic tongues. You know, and, and it, you'll know it. When somebody's like, eyes are rolling in the back of their head, and they're sacrificing a chicken, and they're speaking in tongues, that ain't the Lord. <laughs> okay, that's not God. I'll just go ahead and throw that out there. You know it's not the Lord. When you feel things crawling up your back, get out of there. <laughs> I bind you in Jesus' name. Sure, I buy my mind. You know, whatever. Don't let, don't let religion steal from you the promise of God based upon a fear that they have. It's what it is. It's just a fear. Man, fear shouldn't be in your heart. Perfect love casts out fear. I'm not afraid of what God brings in my life. If I speak in tongues because he gave it to me, I'm going to speak in tongues every day. Come on, somebody. It's the Lord. So it gets attacked, but it's just religion trying to keep you from the relationship because tongues is a very powerful gift in this reasoning. Tongues is the only gift that has built-in training attached to it. You want to flow in the prophetic. You want to see gifts of healing. You want to see miracles. Think about this. When you speak in tongues, the Bible says there's another gift called the interpretation of tongues. That's where you allow the Holy Spirit and then you begin to actually speak and interpret what the Lord is saying through you. So you have built-in training ground right now. You're praying in tongues. The Holy Spirit's revealing it. You're declaring it out. You basically prophesied. You basically had a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. You're flowing in the miraculous power of God and you have training to know I'm hearing from the Lord. 1 Corinthians 13, where everybody quotes about taking tongues out of your life, not doing it in public, actually doesn't say that. It says, when you do it in public, let someone speak in tongues, then let someone interpret those tongues so that everybody in there knows what the Spirit has to say. 
They remove it all. That's the Lord. So think about it. We, should, we as a church should have these in operation. We should have times where people come up and declare a word that they feel the unction of God in, in tongues, and then somebody stand up and prophesy what it was or interpret what it was. Now, it's interpretation, too. Grab this. If you hear someone speak in tongues, this is for everybody in here. Or when you pray in tongues, ask the Lord, Tell me what's going on. Reveal to me what is being spoken. I want to know the ways of the Spirit. Anybody in here with me right now? And as that happens, this is an interpretation, which means you will begin to speak out in your own understanding, your own education, your own way what the Lord is saying. Another person could stand up and interpret that, and it may not be the exact words because it's not a translation, but the heart of it is the same thing. Why? Because it's an interpretation from God. This is what the Lord is dealing with in this moment. Are you grabbing this right now? The vocal gifts are prophecy. It's tongues and it's interpretation of tongues. It's declaring out the supernatural things of God through tapping a hold of the Holy Spirit on the inside. Amen. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.